so this bringing together the one point and the ekakata, the sense of if we just get lost in wandering thoughts, you know, then we can be scattered all over the universe. And you can think about Thailand or Australia, places far away, and your mind. The thinking process, just notice it's uh, one thought, then conditions the next one. So association, you start thinking, and you think of Thailand, and then it, then that word associates, that thought associated with something else. And so one can wander, just because the nature of thought is like that. And we're just no- noticing that thinking is a function that can be used skillfully, or or one just can be lost in in one's own thinking habits. That's where so much of the stress and um, depression, misery, human misery, comes from being a kind of victim of one's own thinking habits. <clears throat> like like poor people tend to imagine wealthy people uh, are very happy because they don't have to think about the next meal or survival they thought they can afford luxuries but yet the problem is the same, isn't it? Whether you're poor or rich, uh, if you if you're a victim of your thoughts, then you know you're stuck on that level. Just obsessive worry, depression, uh, anxiety tend to take over our conscious experience of life. So in composing the mind in the present, we're we're not thinking about it anymore. We're not we don't have to think the present, the present, and 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 criticize and comment on uh, the present moment. But learning to relax into the present, trust it, open these kind of words, receptivity. Welcoming. And then you're, you're using the sati sampachanya rather than thinking about the, pre- analyzing the present moment, uh, comparing it with memories of pre- previous present moments. And it's ridiculous. Is this present moment as good as the previous present moment? You can get yourself into a real twist by trying to figure it all out. There's a trusting in indirect uh, experience. Now it's like this. So the 
suchness, see, as isness, the da-ta-da, the, this, it's just this way, it's like this, and so we open and we just are witnessing, accepting, welcoming, allowing this present moment to be like this, even if it's even if it's unpleasant, you're allowing even unpleasantness to be what it is. Then I, I notice the sound of silence. And as I kind of rest in this resonating primal vibration, allowing it to be this way. There's awareness, consciousness, but also you're aware of non-thinking, because you don't have to think about it. You're not a you're not analyzing it or comparing it, but using it, resting in it, being it. So appreciate, like non-thinking, is like this. You know, so you're, this sense of paying attention to it, because it, it's so easily not noticed or appreciated, it's overlooked. Just like space uh, can never be consciously noticed, even though it's present here and now, because we're so so utterly obsessed with the things in the space. But then using thinking, like thinking, if you're going to think, then use it as a pointer to this present moment. Like they use this, like self-inquiry or who am I kind of um, questions. As just as a way, if you're going to think, then then inquire into this present moment. What is it like? Um, 
what is it that knows this present moment? Not to get an answer, but just to to sustain attention. And appreciation of just emptiness. This is like emptiness, non-self. You're not a person in this present moment if you're just fully present as is. So then you can can, can just notice, uh, note, note that anatta is like this, no self, non-self. So it's like you're really informing with wisdom now. You're you're using wisdom, just noticing the way it is. And, And the self, you know, the ego, or the sakaya ditti, for this to arise, it's it's a matter of thinking, isn't it? At the, I'm Ajahn Sumato, and so forth. And I, then then suddenly, this Ajahn Sumato arises in this present moment. I start thinking about myself remembering my past or planning for the future and all this and I'm that's something I'm creating in this present this creation of of somebody who has a past and who uh, has a future so that's we're going to notice that the self or the sakaya ditti is like this it's uh, something that that arises and ceases, but the awareness has a continuity. When the Ajahn Sumato ceases, there's still awareness, that there's consciousness, awareness, still present. So if I get lost in the perception of I'm Ajahn Sumedho, then that, that, that starts the whole world going on that level. You know, the, being somebody with a past, 
having responsibilities, duties, feelings, emotional habits, a future that I have to plan for, and that the whole world of Ajatamato arises in that moment. If, I, if I'm not mindful, and if I'm if I really believe in this world as my reality, then it then it, it has its own momentum. It goes in cycles of that tend to perpetuate themselves. So letting noticing when there is no Arjun Sumato is a is an escape from that dreary world of becoming. So this is just like discerning. Uh, what, what I'm doing now is is trying to guide you into kind of using discernment uh, to know the difference between self and non-self, or uh, what the world is in terms of of the reality of the world, other than just clinging to a perception. Uh, and forming assumptions about the world, the world and the end of the world. Self and non-self. So you, 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 you can kind of explore it and, and experiment with it. So you don't be afraid to become a person again. You know, not, we're not attacking personality or self is not a, a kind of uh, annihilation of personality or self, but being able to de- develop an awareness about what self really is so that we're not uh, bound into that limitation. Because uh, personality and self-view and all these are very limited, you know, they're hab- habits of the mind. And uh, no matter how much you try to improve yourself, uh, it's still very limited. Because that's its nature, its limitation, attachment to to uh, thoughts, memories, identity with the body, identity with your emotional habits. So these are, you know, these these are in themselves. Conditions that arise and cease, their, their nature is limitation. So as long as you don't know the difference, then, you, then there is a tremendous fear and anxiety around uh, our life because we're in, in some way, all, the process of being born and dying is going on all the time. Always having to recreate ourselves as a person. If that's all we know, is, and we need, we need approval all the time. We need security. We need 
all kinds of things that that reinforce our personalities as being I'm I'm a good person or I'm a likable, lovable person or I'm worthwhile or the fear of not being of being useless, failure despised, humiliated So then the Buddha pointed to this, the, there is an escape from the condition. This word escape, interesting one, because we, we you know, saying somebody's an escapist is usually kind of a criticism, isn't it? They say, oh, he's just an escapist. And, uh, oh, you're just trying to escape. Because we... Our ideals, modern ways of thinking, are that that escape is kind of a cowardly thing to do. But uh, the Buddha encouraged escape. But in this sense of escape, isn't isn't running away out of fear? It's knowing things as they are. It's to awaken the that we're liberated from these limitations. And if you explore this, you know, it, it take, took me years to really, <laughs> not just, because it's so easy to, to uh, go back to being a personality because that's the, that's what's, what one is used to operating in the world as a person a personality so it does it gives a kind of a, a, an alertness an attentiveness to, to our lives and then we can see like the monastic form and the vinaya and all this this is this is to help alertness to a kind of it's, it can be used for mindfulness rather than for uh, of a, a, an, another kind of self we create like we can use um, Buddhism and Vinaya and all this just to create another kind of person you know I'm a Theravadan bhikkhu and I'm keep the Vinaya and I do this and, and we can become quite uh, identified with the with these uh, conventions and then of course it, it's still Dukkha no matter how strict and good you are and saintly and that it's still suffering until you till you uh, waken to the Dhamma, the way it is. So discerning is is being able to to uh, know the difference. What is self and non-self? And 
Now I found the this uh, why I so fond of the sound of silence because it as I found it a very useful uh, place to rest in because it, the mind's empty, and the thinking process stops. Mind does. natural, I don't create it, it's not I have to, to kind of make it happen through some kind of uh, manipulation of my mind, I just open, relax and open, and then I notice. Now, uh, with emotions, it's, it's a, like just dealing with thoughts is one thing, isn't it? The thinking process, uh, no, like thinking has is, is quite a rapid process. So you, you know, it's uh, one word follows another. But then these perceptions can can uh, trigger off emotions, so we can feel. If we think in a positive way uh, about love and goodness, truth and beauty, uh, in inspired thoughts, we we have uh, emotional uh, responses to those kind of thoughts. One can get very high on on uh, positive thinking or negative thinking. You can you can get very depressed. You know, grumbling, complaining, criticizing—all uh, these. You know, the more you you get stuck in these in these habits of like complaining or grumbling or resenting. Uh, not to mention, you know, hating and and uh, stronger stronger kinds of negativity. It just just. Uh, Boredom, doubt, blaming others, blaming yourself, then you sink into a realm of, a kind of miserable realm, gray realm of despair. So the, the emotions, they kind of, the, the emotions have a lingering quality, isn't it? So thought can 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 set off some emotional reaction, and then that reaction kind of hangs around. It doesn't just, you know, it doesn't like thinking come arises and ceases immediately. But the a thought just arises and it's, it's gone. You know, where did it go? But then the the lingering emotion. Like this, so in in noticing that that the that, that which remains a kind of lingering feeling of like anxiety can be just a general feeling of, of you know of doom, impending doom, or something bad is going to happen or it's a, a kind of nebulous 
negative state of anxiety can, can hang around, can linger. And then the more we try to get rid of it or resist it or the more we tend to reinforce it. It becomes a very strong habit. So with awakened attention, discerning, then we're we're noticing just the feeling of, say, anxiety, of feeling something's not right, something's wrong, something's going to go wrong. And just by by uh, noticing this 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 uh, mood, this sense of this lingering emotional state, totally welcoming it, accepting it, then I find by by embracing it and welcoming it, and then I can actually, uh, by not not trying to to get rid of it, but just allowing it to be this way, then then it, it, it I'm aware of its presence, and then when it ceases, aware of its cessation, as you feel a sense of relief. When, when some emotional uh, state has dropped away, when it's ceased, there's this sense of uh, really a pleasant feeling of the end of suffering. Not absolute end of suffering, like suffering is ended forever, that's a desire again, but that particular thing is gone like this. No suffering is like this. So this is like being patient because with emotions is that we we really resist and fight and uh, our emotions. And the, the you know, we we we're, we we're frightened of them, or we don't like them, don't want these kind of lingering feelings. We want to be happy. You know, make me happy. Or like like doubting, which ikicca is, you know, this, I don't know what to do, this kind of ambivalence and insecurity that we create through thinking. What should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? Am I practicing rightly or am I not practicing properly or... Am I pure or impure or should I be a monk or not? What to do? 
Can I really? Is there any hope for me? Is uh, <laughs> doubting Wichikita uh, is one of the fetters. But doubting also is a mental state that you can, you know, just observe this, 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 they don't, I don't know what to do. What's next? What should I, what's the answer to the question? Who am I? And so this, as you pay attention to this, this, this lingering sense of insecurity, not knowing. Welcoming it again, or into welcoming, embracing. Because it, it, it's a kind of lingering habit. It hangs around. One can spend the whole day in a kind of a state of, of anguish and doubt. What should I do? I don't know what to do. Like people that want to disrobe, and some of them in the past used to, years they are anguishing over whether they should <laughs> disrobe. <laughs> you know, how much you want to convince them, plastic life, that's for you, that's the way to go. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> you know, give them a pep talk. And <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's what I want to be a monk forevermore. But maybe. <laughs> Can you have a relationship and be enlightened? Do you, is there, do you have to be a monk or a nun, or can you be enlightened as a lay person? And so these are, these are the, <laughs> you know, this, if you keep trying to figure it out on that level, you know, you, you go from one, you know, you, one day you want to be a monk and the next day you want to be a lay person. So, because the, the thinking mind and, and that, the doubting nature is not really recognized, not accepted, not discerned. So like certainty, isn't it? There's an enormous desire for certitude in in uh, our personalities, we want security. It's so, you know, you can see modern 
like Western Europe is the ultimate in trying to provide ultimate security in every way from cradle to grave trying to create these democratic capitalistic secure systems uh, so that we because insecurity is such a unpleasant emotion not knowing what to do not knowing the answer to the problem, not knowing who you are. So in discerning this, not knowing is like this. don't know. And then you can just notice that sense of that, that, that kind of anxiety maybe or the feeling of that feeling of uncertainty. What is it like? Awareness of it, embracing it, allowing, allowing uncertainty to be. Interesting to explore, like opinions and views. Uh, you know, the more you you develop this way of attention, the less you you cling to views and opinions. Because I find this uh, my own experience. No, like like the this um, paradoxical kind of koan of right but not true, true but not right. This is you know, Lung Pacha once uh, gave me this as a kind of koan to explore, because like one can have views that are right. You know, and so we come up with our, this is, you know, this is the right thing to do and you should do this and you should keep the moral precepts and you should be generous and give dana and you shouldn't be selfish. These are all, this is true, isn't it? <laughs> and so, I mean, this is, this is, these are viewpoints. But then attachment to the, that and attachment to a view can make me insensitive. So I come at you, you know, in full flow of, of arrogance and, and uh, authority and things. You should keep the moral precepts and you shouldn't be selfish and you should uh, dedicate your life to the Dhamma. 
so then it's coming from you know a place of of uh, me uh, holding on to my views about about what you should do, and then what do you feel if I if I should do that? <laughs> you might have utter devotion to me and think whatever Ajahn Sumedho says is right. So then, it might even inspire you. Some people get inspired by being told what they should do. Other people just feel averse because you know, they just feel, you know, they just hear the arrogance and the insensitivity and the, behind this, this attachment to the view. So an awareness, isn't that you, one can be aware. Why do we, sometimes why do we feel so resistant to advice that we know is very good? Why do we why do we resist the you know teachers or parents or authority figures can can give us very good advice but we 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 feel resistant to it or rebel against it and we know it and we know they're right but we're also picking up the fact that they're coming from an attachment to a view. So, so see this in yourself also, how when, when we do this to each other, you know, how, what it feels like, how we might be right, you know. You know, what, the way you're acting, the way you're behaving is not right. I don't, you know, it's, it's, you're, you should, you shouldn't be saying those things. You shouldn't, uh, you should be more sensitive and more considerate and more giving to the community. Uh, you shouldn't be so selfish. And we can agree, you know, in terms of the advice, but the, why do we still feel resistant? Do it, and then uh, because of, this is this is my reflection anyway. Attachment to these views uh, means that I something in me is not really understanding you at all, not interested, not not open, not receptive, but merely uh, wanting you to to fit in to to my viewpoint. Because that's right, and I can become very self-righteous. This is one of the dangers in in uh, the holy life when you're living uh, more with moral moral precepts and and all these kind of high-minded uh, altruistic uh, ideals. You can get full of yourself, full of self-righteousness. Because you're attaching to very beautiful ideas and very moral attitudes. But notice that this attachment is the problem, isn't it? This attachment out of ignorance, of not discerning, not opening, not really observing the way it is.
So I used to have a lot of this. I mean, I'm an expert on 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 righteous indignation. But when I listen to it, it's something I don't, I don't, I can't respect in myself anymore. I can't, I don't like that kind of uh, feeling. It isn't, it's, it's, uh, it's too limited. It's, it's blinding. So then, by, by discerning the difference between attachment and non-attachment, so like wel- welcoming, is is actually allowing something to be what it is, even something uh, unpleasant or bad or evil. It, it's not it's not coming at it with some kind of righteous uh, command that it shouldn't be this way. It's allowing conditioned phenomena to be what it is, and then our relationship to it is non-attachment. When you allow something to be what it is, then you're you're not attaching to it anymore. You're, you're not resisting or getting rid of it either. You're allowing things to flow according to their nature, to their karma. So it all kind of resolves in this present moment, this sense of awareness, relaxed, attention, accepting, welcoming. So, like attachment and non-attachment, upadana, dana upadana, desire, attachment, avicca, ignorance, conditions, desire, desire, conditions, attachments, attachment, conditions, dukkha, suffering. So it's not desire, the problem is the attachment to it. So, like with desire, let's know what desire is also. Desire and desirelessness. Attachment and non-attachment. So what these words point to is just a simple imminent act of attention. Where the awareness, as you rest in awareness, and, and and really appreciate and 
across. Then, then you, then you begin to see that you discern your discerning abilities are at their best. You can discern, see the attachment and non-attachment, or desire and desirelessness, or self and non-self. So the the way of the unconditioned, the amatadamas, non-self, is desireless, is uh, non-attachment. So then we can attach to, I've got to get rid of desires, and I shouldn't be attached to anything, and 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 I've got to uh, annihilate my personality. Is it? is the logic of Isaac when we reason it out we get into annihilation I shouldn't have any desires shouldn't have an ego and I shouldn't be attached to anything then what is that you know holding to that view is is the what I call annihilation So it's not not holding to to a view about non-attachment, desirelessness, and no self, but knowing the difference, having this this developing panya to know that discerning attachments like this, non-attachments like this. Self like this, non-self is like this. And then just through through that discerning, you see, you, you know, it's like it's very simple. The you 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 know the path through through not through holding to any views, but by um, that realization, the the peace, the the. Uh, the bliss of non-attachment, of non-of non-self, of of uh, desirelessness. Not through trying to make yourself into somebody that doesn't have any desires and isn't attached to it. That's impossible. But through discerning with satipanya, satisampajanya. That's why it's budgetang. To be experienced, you have to know this in a direct way for yourself.
Now this this is uh, discerning, knowing be a difference between the the condition from the unconditioned, and that this uh, position we're in is a is a conscious entity, an interesting one because each one of us is a is like a a conscious point in the universe. We're incarcerated in a, in a physical body, which is conscious, experiencing consciousness. So you know this this the the reality of this moment is that each one of us is is a point of light of consciousness in this universe. So. So we're experiencing from this point here. And from this point, then it's, it's the, as the T.S. Eliot poem, the, the, to apprehend the, the point of intersection between timeless and time. It's, it's like the point, we, this is, this, this resonates as a kind of, the the reality of our human position. It's a point where we 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 at this intersection, this moment now, here and now, time is like this, timelessness is like this. The point of intersection is here and now this conscious moment. From this point here, you know, I can't experience this moment from where you are. Only from this point here, and so our discerning abilities work there because you can you can, you can discern that time can be self, desire, uh, attachment. They're like this. You know, you 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 know them. You're you're the buto, the knowing of them. That condition is like this. Self is like this. Time is like this. Attachment is this way. Desire. Condition. And you, you know, you see Adnicha, Dukkha, Nata. You know, it's all the three characteristics that these all conditioned phenomena is impermanent, not self. And the unconditioned, Nibbana, uh, Viraga, Anatta, Sunyata, uh, these, these kind of words are like this. No, I mean, this, this uh, exploring that, this, this, to be able to trust in your own insight into this. This is what I'm doing is just pointing to this. I'm hoping that you aren't grasping anything I'm saying. <laughs> but, but <laughs> and if you are, at least be aware of grasping Ajahn Sumedho's teachings is like this. The uh, but the, this is where you have to trust yourself to know and 
the unconditioned, nibbana, non-self. Because I can talk about it endlessly in, in kind of, you know, write poetry about it, but what, you know, it's, it's, Ajitang waited up all we knew here. It's a, to me, it's a, a, one time somebody described, I read it in a book, I forget exactly where, who said it, but about Nibbana being the experience of relief. And uh, they're putting it into a, a more ordinary context because oftentimes the word is a superlative and how people use it nowadays, isn't it? it it's a kind of, blissful heavenly paradise as it's generally popularly used but uh, in terms of of uh, the reality of it it's not not like a high state of bliss but relief this sense of non-attachment of you know you're carrying the world on your back and you you're just worn out exhausted with carrying this heavy weight your whole life you've carried this burden on your back and suddenly you put it down and then you suddenly <sighs> what a relief Nibbana <laughs> it's, uh, it's that kind of this is, this is, uh, I find this, this relief of not being anybody. Mm. You know, not having to be anybody. Or prove myself, or justify my existence, or, you know, the whole self-view. Well, that, that's such a burden to carry around in life. To be so obsessed and concerned and worried about oneself as a personality is, is, is hard work and it's tedious. <clears throat> and then putting the burden out, not destroying my personality, it's not trying to annihilate or attack it, but understand it and realize how to let go of the burden, not carry it on my back all the time. So non-self to me is oh, it's a relief. Well, sometimes anatta can be kind of a fear, you know, you're going to, if I don't have any personality, there's going to be nothing left, and I'll just, disappear into a void, a black hole of nothingness and panic can take over. You know, what will happen if if I just 
if I if I'm not somebody, you know, I don't have any personality, and I uh, then we fear uh, annihilation, isn't it? You fear that's a big fear when you think about anatta and uh, and trying to figure it out with rational thought. You, it it sounds like uh, an annihilation, like nihilism. But the reality of non-self is, is, this is how I experience it, is relief. A sense of being at ease. Relieved of that burden. Mm -hmm. 